back when I was in high school, I was, uh, I was on the swim team. And no matter how many times, so I, was, I was from like seventh grade on, I was involved in that. And so no matter how many times I, I went to the pool, there was the same experience that was always kind of drilled into me um, that never got any better. Um, so practice, I was, in, I was uh, the, pool, the team I was at practiced in Homa, and so practice at 6 a.m. So I have to get up at 5 a.m. to leave for 5.15 so that I can be ready to jump in the pool for 6, right? Um, and so no matter how many times the experience of waking up at 5 a.m., it's dark, to like jump into a cold pool was just something that like never got better and never got easier. That experience of like sitting right there on the edge, like I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to suck. I knew it was going to be terrible, but like, you just don't want to be cold and wet at 6 o'clock in the morning when it's dark outside. This is never going to be a pleasant experience. And so that's like, when I think about something that's uncomfortable, that's like, has been drilled into me as like, I still hate it, no matter what. Um, and I say, I tell that story because of the first reading. Um, there's a connection, if you, if you track with me. Um, this little exchange that we hear between Peter and Cornelius. Uh, we don't hear a lot about, I think it's the only time we hear about Cornelius in, in the entire scriptures. Doesn't seem to be a big deal of a guy. Um, this little interaction that they have actually has an important lesson for us. See, Cornelius, we hear in the scriptures, um, he was two things that had two strikes against him in Peter's mind. Number one, he was a Gentile. So Cornelius, he was a, 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 a you know, Jews and Gentiles, if you know anything about them, they don't, they don't interact. Gentile literally just means everyone who's not a Jew. So the Jews saw themselves as separate from the Gentiles. So Gentiles are people do not interact with them. They're not allowed in the temple. We don't do anything with them. They make us unclean. We, complete, we live completely separate from them. Cornelius was a Gentile. On top of that, Cornelius was a Roman centurion, right? He was a soldier of Rome whose main job was to persecute, arrest, imprison Christians. That was what they did. We heard about Paul last week if you were here. That's, that's, what, that's what Paul did. He was a Roman. His whole mission was to destroy the Christians. So these messengers from Cornelius come to Peter and say, hey, Cornelius wants you to come to his house. So Peter, this Gentile Roman centurion, wants me to come to his house, right? At worst, I'm scared for my life. At best, this is like really going to be awkward, right? Depending how, where, where Peter falls, maybe if he knows this guy. Um, at worst, he's a centurion who's probably a trap going to take my life arrest me, or like I'm going to have to associate with somebody who I've spent my entire life thinking that I cannot associate with. Now before this, God came to Peter to vision and said, I'm going to send these messengers to you. They're, they're from me. Follow them. So Peter at that moment had to make a, a big act of trust that God was going to do something through this encounter. So Peter follows these, these messengers from Cornelius to go to his house, and Cornelius simply wants to hear the gospel. Says Peter, tell me, tell me about this God. What he, what he, what you, he sent you to tell me. So Peter, very simply, just tells him the message of the gospel. Jesus came. He died. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He gave for us eternal life. He saved us from death and sin. Like nothing crazy. It's the basic message of the gospel. But as Cornelius and as his household was listening to this, Peter noticed the, the, the scripture said the Holy Spirit came upon these people just as it had come on Pentecost. Now that caught Peter's attention. That struck everybody. Because now these Gentiles, and no, these Romans, are receiving the Holy Spirit in a way that they had never, that they had, the Jews, Peter, had never seen God 
give that gift to anyone who wasn't a Jew. So Peter's struck by this. They're amazed. God is giving, God is giving even this gift to the Gentiles. And in that exchange, Peter says this line that sticks out to me that I think is important for us to take heed of. Peter sees what God is doing, and he says, who can withhold the water from these people? Who can prevent them from being baptized? God has chosen them. God has revealed this to them. Who are we to, to hold that into ourselves, right? Peter could have very easily not even gone. Peter could have very easily said, nah, it's dangerous. I'm not sure. I'm not supposed to associate with these people. Um, they don't like me. We don't like them. This is going to be a whole awkward, uncomfortable situation. I can't do this. But Peter took in a step of faith, a step of trust, that God was going to do something. And he was willing to do something that a lot of us, myself included, are a lot of times not willing to do. And that's take that uncomfortable step of sharing the water that all of us have received, so to speak. Of sharing the message and the power of the gospel that every single one of us in here has been given. We've all been given that water that Peter's talking about. We've all heard the message of the gospel. We all have that gift. And Peter says, who can withhold that from someone who's longing for it? Even if it makes it uncomfortable, even if I'm not sure what's going to happen, how the other person's going to respond. I imagine Peter, as he starts talking about Jesus to this guy who doesn't know Jesus, what's going through his mind? But through the simple message of the gospel, God is able to work a miracle in these people's hearts. So he says, how can we withhold that? How can we not spread this message that has transformed my heart and continues to transform hearts of the people who ever hears it? Because the reality is, every single one of us in here needs the gospel. Every single one of us in here needs to hear the words of Jesus to us. Our hearts were made with this desire, this longing for this truth of salvation, this truth of happiness. The Catechism of the Catholic Church book has all the teachings of the church in it. It says that only in God do we find the truth and the happiness that we never stop searching for. It is impossible for any of us to not search for truth and for happiness. We can't help but search for truth and happiness. That's like ingrained in the human person. That's what every, every decision that we make in some way, shape, or form is based on our search for truth and for happiness whether it's a big decision or a little decision. The decision, I'm hungry, I need to eat, is based on the good, like I'm seeking happiness, like a, a physical happiness of not being hungry, right? Even the little decisions that we make are based on our search for truth and for happiness. Even if something is not good, if it's objectively bad, we don't choose to do things because they're bad. No one chooses things because they're bad. We choose things because we think they're good. We think this is going to make us happy. We think this is true, and so I reach out for that, and I want that. Even if it doesn't actually do it, I'm searching for something good in every decision that I make. So if every single one of us has this desire in our hearts, without fail, every single one of us, and if we have the answer to that desire, if every single one of us is longing for that, then like Peter says, how can I not, how can I hold back from giving you the answer that your heart is actually longing for? How can I hold that to myself? Peter encourages us to take the step of trust, perhaps the uncomfortable step, to share what we have been received. We've received this message so that it can be preached. Everybody needs to hear it. Everybody's longing for it. 
It's worth the risk. It's worth the step in faith to allow the power of God to work through the simple truth of how Jesus, what Jesus has done for you and for me in our life. Nothing crazy. Peter didn't say anything that he hadn't said 20 times before. But the power of that gospel, it, it has a real power. It's able to transform hearts and to touch minds and to touch lives. That's how the, that's how the church spread at the very beginning, simply telling people what Jesus had done for them. And that transformative fire continued to take root and to spread. God works through the simple, humble yes, the simple step to take a risk, to share the water, to share the gift that we have received. We celebrate Mother's Day this weekend. The whole world changed by the yes of a 14-year-old girl. The whole world, all of creation changed because of one simple yes. That's not just a one-time thing. The whole world can change based on every single person's yes. Perhaps not the whole course of salvation history, but the whole course of, a, of an entire person's life can change based on one person's simple yes. Change the entire life by one simple yes and God working through that yes. We pray through the intercession today of St. Peter, of Mary, that we could say that yes, take the step, share the water. Who can withhold that? We're all longing for it. May the power of the gospel touch our hearts more deeply as we celebrate this Mass today.